historically you wait for disease to really show up in a way that you can see it. And one of the advantages to CT is you can just see its physical manifestations much earlier in time, which gives you the opportunity to treat these patients at a much earlier time point before they get to a point where they have disease. And that's really, I think, from my point, how you help save lives and improve their care. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. For the millions of U.S. patients who go to an ER or medical office with chest pain every year, doctors have several options for screening. New national guidelines recommend a quick and non-invasive heart scan known as a CCTA for certain conditions. Our guests today are leading experts in the field of advanced cardiac imaging and proponents of this technology, which produces a 3D image of the heart and can be used to rule out several potentially deadly conditions. The adopted guidelines come from the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association and other groups. Our guests today on the show are Dr. Amar Shah. He's the Chief of Cardiac Imaging for Northwell Health and Dr. Michael Poon, the Director of Advanced Cardiac Imaging for the Western Region of Northwell Health. Dr. Shah, before we go into that, tell us a little more about CCTA and what makes this scan so effective. Well, CCCTA is another way to say cardiac computed tomographic angiography. So it's a way without using any invasive catheters or procedures for doctors to be able to look at the patient's coronary arteries by giving them a small amount of dye, which goes in through their veins and looks at their coronary arteries using an ultra fast scanner that can make and show patients really detailed anatomy to the order of less than, you know, less than a millimeter, so half a millimeter, if you will. And it provides patients and their doctors with exquisite detail about what their anatomy looks like and better than other tests, whether they actually have coronary artery disease. So unlike some of the other tests that have been used historically, which are still very helpful, um, CCTA is able to give precise, customizable to the patient anatomic information that definitively tells the patients and answers their question, do you have coronary artery disease? And that's a question that I think many patients want to answer. So if you go to a test and get a test and it comes out and it tells you it's normal, but you don't know if you have coronary artery disease, I think it's very difficult for patients to decide, should I take all these advanced medications that help me manage coronary artery disease? So when you can show someone they have it, show them that they have it, tell them precisely how much they have, you can then kind of nudge patients in a direction where they can really manage their health in, in a really direct way. Mike, how do you feel about, how do you feel, do you feel similarly yeah. about that? Yeah, I think this is a very important point that you uh, made that for the first time we're relying on a structure looking actually at the human coronary rather than some kind of functional testing which has been the gold standard for many years until the recent guideline uh, published last year that uh, CCTA should be the first test when you see a patient with stable chest pain. Yeah, you mentioned uh, stable chest pain. How do you define stable chest pain? Yeah, I'm, well, chest pain can be stable or unstable. So unstable, typically you go to the emergency room when the pain is so severe that you can't wait. Uh, 
Stable chest pain means this squirrely pain that you're not sure. Is it indigestion or is there something around here? Could it be arthritis? You can live with it. Comes and go. You're not sure. Could be the heart. Could be the stomach. Could be the bone. Could be the muscle. Could be anything. Could be eating spicy food. That's right. Could be some Szechuan food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Shaw used the word exquisite imaging, and the imaging is amazing. I mean, it's 3D, it's color. I mean, what do you see from all that? You can tell right away if somebody needs to have emergent care. Yeah, within a few seconds, you can generally, you will get, you know, seconds is really not an exaggeration. You know, Dr. Poon, I'm going to call you Michael for the duration of the procedure, and please call me Amar. Um, by the time you get on the table, they put an IV in you. Um, the test will be done and dusted, as I say, in less than, on average, you know, five to six seconds is the average amount of time. And sometimes it's faster than that. And you almost can't believe how quickly you get the answer. And that really differs considerably from one of some of the conventional testings, whether it's functional testing using nuclear imaging or exercise treadmill testing, where there is an order of effort the patient has to do and time they have to be there, we give that we can provide that answer ultra fast. And I think that is really patients. I think for patients, that's really helpful. Um, and the detail is is really tremendous. I think you can answer the question: Do you have disease? Yes or no? And as Mike pointed out earlier, you know historically you wait for disease to really show up in a way that you can see it. And one of the advantages to CT is you can just see its physical manifestations much earlier in time, which gives you the opportunity to treat these patients at a much earlier time point before they get to a point where they have disease. And that's really, I think, from my point, how you help save lives and improve their care. And on the, on the other side is that when you do have disease, you really do not want to provoke the patient. So when you don't know and you provoke it, it can be nothing or catastrophe. CT eliminate that. So what are the what are the top benefits of CCTA? Sure, I think the um, most important uh, benefit of CCTA is to allow the patient to know what's going on. And it's the blood vessel to the heart, coronary artery, that is the cause of heart attack. And CCTA is the only test that show you whether you have plaque or no plaque. That make a big difference to a patient and to the doctor who's taking care of the patient because the doctor can now show to the patient, look, this is going on. You have to take the medication, exercise at least 45 minutes a day, and you have to change your lifestyle. If you smoke, you have to stop smoking. If you have diabetes, you have to cut down the sugar intake. If you eat a lot of fat, you have to cut that down and take the medication to lower cholesterol. You know, by doing that, the Scott Heart trial in England showed that you can reduce heart attack and death by 41%. That compared to standard of care, which is no CCTA. It's huge. Huge. That's huge. I think this is the most important aspect of CCTA that it saves lives. Wow. And I guess the flip side is also that's so important is that it rules out a lot of things. I mean, I think it's right. I think it comes down to three things. Detection. So it's superior for detection coronary disease compared to other existing testing. Prevention 
once you've identified that you have disease, you can then engage in the preventive part of your lifestyle, whether it's diet, whether it's medication, whether it's anything else you need to do. And then I think the third is planning. And planning, I think, is one where we think of, well, um, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is if you have you know, a disease that we think needs to go to the cath lab, you can help your proceduralist plan for what they need to do. This person, I think, is going to have disease. Here is how long the lesion is. You might need this kind of stent. Here is where it is. Um, is that going to pose a problem for you? Um, here is how far it is. Maybe you may not want to go into this one. It's a small vessel. You may like may wait on it. And I think that those three core elements and integration of some advanced tech, advanced new things that have come to market, um, I think those are things that really distinguish CT from the other 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 existing casts. And and Michael pointed out Scott Hart, and I think it would be also helpful to realize if that was a pivotal change, a pivotal trial, and. It helped change guidelines. Now, our guidelines just changed in 2021, but in the United Kingdom, you know, which has a very differently constructed health system, and, and that's a whole different discussion. But I think what they saw is that this concept of prevention and this concept of using a test to make sure patients land in the maybe the best bucket of treatment, you know, as an individual, as a member of an ethnic group, and kind of how everyone is sort of different, that your way of, you know, each group and each person may have a different experience around when they may start to feel a little bit off and when their symptoms don't match. I think that's the aha moment to say, well, if this is my heart and I don't feel so great, maybe it is my heart, what are my options? And I think what the guidelines do today is put you in a better place to manage um, when you have symptoms that arise. I think one of the things to, with one of the terms I think got banished from the guidelines and I love that it got banished from the guidelines is this idea of atypical chest pain. What does that really mean? You know, I don't even know, quite frankly, because every person and every group is slightly different. So I think being sensitive to yourself and younger, different groups can have disease when they're younger. Michael, you're a practicing cardiologist. You saw, you know this firsthand. I have example of a policeman came to the emergency room on a Saturday morning with chest pain. And everybody in the hospital said, what are you doing here? You look fit, you look like, you know, in good shape. Well, it turned out that he had a widow maker lesion and it was diagnosed by the CTA and was sent to the cath lab immediately and that actually saved his life. Wow. Yeah, and you know, we're talking about how we're getting this great look. I mean, it, it, like I, I said before a minute ago, I'm still, I'm going to be hung up on this, but it's just so amazing the imaging. How are you able to see everything so clearly and like color coded? And how does this technology work? I mean, I think that's a, a really, I mean, we can digress for a minute to our history lesson because I think both Michael and I have been fortunate to be around for a little bit of time. And so, you know, the history of CT, I mean, I'm sure some of the patients may know this or maybe they don't know this, but for full history kind of has its origins um, really from a long time ago. And you have to go do the look back into the 70s to really find out when computed tomography or CT was born. And the fun story, I think, for patients and maybe one they can relate to is that, you know, initially the technology was developed by two scientists over in, in, in the United Kingdom. One of their names um, is Hounsfield, and they, they both, when I'm unfortunately I'm forgetting the other person at this moment in time, um, they won the Nobel Prize for their work in the late 70s. And the parent company 
that owned the patent was EMI. And for those of you who are fans of music, we remember they actually owned the Beatles uh, musical catalog many years ago. And so that's probably what they were most famous for. But that conglomerate at the time also had sort of the neat kind of history of having the engineering patents around CT. And slowly, like the little pictures that you could take, kind of just like you see on your phone today, got better and better and better. And that period of development, say, between 1980 and 2000, about 20 years, got us to the point where we could take pictures of patients' insides, um, initially five millimeters thick. That sounds really good if you're looking for appendicitis. Hey, that's pretty good. Um, But that still took a long time for the scan. Um, And you would basically be in the scanner for, say, like 30 minutes just to get a picture of your abdomen or a picture of your head. And, you know, obviously that's not going to work because it's fine for your abdomen. It's fine for your chest, but the heart's beating. So if it takes you 30 minutes to take a picture of someone's appendix, well, that might be fine if you're looking for appendicitis or a kidney stone. But like micros, if the heart's moving, that's not going to work. It'll be in and out of your picture faster than your kid running through a camera that you're trying to get a picture of, if you will. So it really took until the early 2000s that we got technology really advanced where you could see things less than two millimeters, less than three mil- less than one millimeter, uh, and eventually kind of got us to the point where we could see things under a millimeter. And not just one slice under a millimeter, but you could see large chunks of anatomy. So um, you could cover half a heart, a quarter of the heart, now the full heart, um, and also image the patient's heart, for lack of better terms, just like that, with really high shutter speed, if you will. It's amazing. And, you know, it's it's so amazing, too, because it's such a short amount of time that you can get these amazing images. And not only are you getting these amazing images, but Dr. Poon, you've always been a longtime proponent of CCTA. And in fact, you found a new use for this technology during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was certainly a crisis. Right. 2020 March is uh, the pandemic and hit the United States and and New York was the first one. And um, and what happened was we had to take care of all the COVID patients, and uh, most of the cardiology services were shut down. And to me, that's not acceptable, right? You have a patient with heart attack. doesn't matter COVID or no COVID. We need some kind of test to evaluate this group of patients. So I decided that, look, you know, CT is one of the tests that you can do it without really touching the patient. You need a tech to someone to escort the patient into the room, and the, these, the technologist who push the button is outside the room, so it's only the patient inside the CT scanner room. So it's pretty safe for most of the worker who work with a patient who is having chest pain. And... You know, for a period of almost a year, we were just using CTA alone in the emergency room, in our outpatient uh, elective workup. We even use it for patients with atrial fibrillation who need to go for conversion. In the past, we used to have to put a tube down the throat in order to see if there's clot in the heart. I said, forget it. No one's going to put a tube in a COVID patient throat. <laughs> so let's do a CAT scan. And it worked. So we accumulated a lot of the data, new data, uh, showing that indeed cardiac CT can be very useful in a crisis uh, scenario like the COVID-19. 
and we published our experience. We also found some new use of cardiac CT. We were able to see uh, inflammation of the heart muscle, which is very important. So now the scan is really like a uh, Swiss knife. You can use it for many different reasons, right? Looking for the clots in the lung, heart attack, dissection, inflammation of the heart, and also COVID lung disease, you know. So one scan, you get, you hit all five areas. So that was very important. We published the, the, the paper and uh, was actually led to our NIH grant that we, uh, we got uh, as a co-investigator and um, to look at what happened after you got COVID. And would that virus cause uh, accelerated heart disease, particularly your coronary vessels? So we are enrolling patients who had CAT scan before COVID. And after COVID, we'll do a CAT scan to see if there's a change in the plaque development inside the heart. So it's a very, very important study. Will give us some idea, the mechanism, how... COVID virus can cause heart attack and kill someone very fast. So we are learning, and this is the beginning of the, uh, the, the grant. Yeah. Let's talk about these new recommendations coming from the American Heart Association and other groups. Dr. Shaw, how has this changed the way CCTA is used? I think it's a great question. I think we can piggyback a little bit off of how sometimes really terrible situations, you know, including the pandemic and then I guess we describe the post-pandemic and maybe we're in this peri-pandemic period, if you will, can drive change in some ways that can be, you know, a benefit to the patients. The guidelines that were recently revised, you know, in late 2021, I think Mike would agree, they have been in development, I would say, or revision or in the process for many years. I think we used to sit around and say, they're coming. And every six months, I think people would say that they're coming, they're coming. And then, you know, nothing would happen. So, you know, we recognize that, like, I think some of that was the pandemic, but part of that, I think, is when you have, I would say, a shift in how people are going to look to utilize testing for patients with coronary artery disease, that can be challenging and can be hard for various stakeholders to kind of get behind. It can also sometimes create some confusion of what is, you know, what is the what is the right thing to do? But I think out of the pandemic, what you saw is a little bit of like, we're going to put the patients, a continued emphasis on putting the patients forward and embracing a little bit of, you know, disruption and change. And the guidelines have really shaped where CT, which I think, and I think Mike, you'll agree, there has not been a test that has gone through the approval process or a guideline process that has been maybe more scrutinized than cardiac CT. And to see the guidelines change and all the level of evidence, which we've read for 15 years, well, geez, like if that doesn't get the highest ranking which you can give, I would have been shocked. And it got a level one, you know, class one level evidence. And it's a primary test. So, you know, it's really, I think it's validation for many people's effort and work, which, you know, um, all of us in this room can recognize and appreciate and have been in the field for a long time and are grateful for. And in some ways, the length it took to get here, I think for patients should give them confidence that, if they do go down a cardiac CT, they're getting a well-validated test. So this CT, CCTA um, has been used in Northwell for years now. Uh, how widely is it being used throughout the health system? 
Well, right now, almost uh, every major hospital has the capability of doing it. You don't need many fancy scanner. A basic 64-slide scanner would uh, would do. Um, it's just a matter of putting together a team to, you know, Dr. Shah is certainly leading the effort to cover uh, a system like Northwell. is pretty big, so uh, we have... You know, all the boroughs, Westchesters. So I think that's the tricky part. And uh, as the adoption become clearer and clearer that this is the way to go. Now the guidelines support it, right? 1A is the is the go is the gold standard. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> 1A that means you are supported by more than one randomized control study. I think what's amazing about also the technology is that you can share it. So you can so I you're you're being consulted all the time on on some of these images. Yeah. All the time, and I can shoot an image to Dr. Shah and say, "Hey, can you take a look?" You know, because sometimes two brains better than one. What, you know, one hundred percent. I think, like in cardiac imaging, I think as you can see us going back and forth, it's sort of unique in imaging, and it's unique for cardiac as well. It's a sort of a team-based sport, if you will, where you have different stakeholders coming from different experiences, um, some more clinical, some more research, some um, from cardiology, some from radiology, but it really is a collaborative approach to, to looking at it. And it really is a big team that works together. I think it's not uncommon that, hey, what do you think? What do you think? Because ultimately, with all this precise information, you know, there's still as scientific and as detailed and as, you know, as much information as you get, there still is an art piece to it that comes in a little bit at the end of it for some of these cases. So I think that's like the strength of, of us as a group is that we're collaborative and we have good partnerships. And as Michael pointed out, we go across the system. So you know, we've been fortunate to expand access in hospitals. So everywhere from, like I said, from Westchester to Staten Island to Manhattan, all the way to the east end of Long Island. And also offer for patients that don't, you know, it's more convenient maybe to go to an outpatient site. We have outpatient sites also going across the region all the way from Manhattan to, you know, Westchester to, to Suffolk. So I think it's providing more access to patients to make their, also their experience more convenient because we're sensitive to the fact that, hey, if you're a patient, you're stressed about this, we want to. We have a team of people that make you feel comfortable. We have a team of people that, that make you go through the test smoothly so you're calm because it's stressful. And when patients are stress, stressful, it, they, they tend, to, tend to have a, you know, a harder time focusing. But we have a great team that makes folks less stressed and calm. And, and, and you know, we have a bunch of advanced care practitioners who really, really, really work with us to make sure the patients feel good. And that's really important to us. It's fascinating. I'm so appreciative of the work that you both are doing. It's amazing. And, and it seems like technology is really improving and, and healthcare is improving. We always like to end on a positive note here on 20 Minute Health Talk. So I'd like to ask both of you, and I'll start with you, Dr. Shaw, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? I think people give me optimism. You know, I think we've gone through, I think as a society, and it's a the world is challenging. We, Michael and I were talking about this outside before we started that, you know, the world is living in a really challenging time. I think that's a something everyone seems to say. But I think, it, you know, at the end of the day, I always have hope that people on the end of the people at the end of the day will rise and generally come to do the right thing. And I think health, taking care of their health is very important. And I think as they begin to think of how can I, you know, contribute to to myself and to the world in a little better place. It's just focusing, you know, when you do have time to make sure you can be part of it, um, to make sure that you take the steps to take care of your health, so that you can be around to influence it in a positive way. Awesome. Dr. Poon, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism? Well, the guideline 
change gave me tremendous optimism, and I thank you and uh, for the opportunity because I think now we have to get the words out. People don't know. People don't read guidelines. You know, we know, but we need to get the words out. More people have to know, and then go ask the doctor, why you want me to do another stress test? What about CCTA? Well, this 20-minute health talk is going to teach them. <laughs> they ask the right question. I think that's, that's my optimism. I think that's right. I think, Mike, you're right. You're dead on on that. I think putting—I'm sorry to interrupt, but putting folks, putting yourself first, putting yourself to ask good questions. And, um, you know, I think that's really hard for patients to do. And I think, you know, you're right. Maybe one of the little, little glimmers that come out of these talks is folks may just have a place to start a conversation. Yeah. And that's okay. That's awesome. Dr. Shaw, Dr. Poon, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And you, the viewer, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.